Father God, thank you that uh, it's real that the victory belongs to Jesus and that what he did at the cross accomplishes life uh, for now and for eternity for all of us if we would put our trust in him. So this morning, uh, as we hear your word, uh, pray that you would remind us of how good you are and how much we can trust you because Jesus is proof of that and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a seat, y'all. All right. Well, good morning. I'm excited to be able to fill in this morning. Uh, it was great to let Tim have some time away and be with family, and we're grateful that he's back. Uh, but this will be exciting. So we are in continuing going through our series, uh, walking through the book of Colossians this summer. And as a quick reminder, the church in Colossa had had their view of the message of Jesus challenged by at least one, if not two, different outside groups who'd come in to say something different than what they were used to hearing. And so Paul, the author, is writing to this church, one, uh, to help them sort out their confusion and clear up what's true, and two, to potentially prevent uh, or to remedy any uh, division that might have been stirred up in the church because of this sort of confusing teaching. Uh, as Brett observed last week, the beginning of chapter 3, which is where we're going to be today, uh, marks the ch- a change in content. So the first two chapters, uh, Paul does a lot of uh, teaching theologically. He talks about how Jesus is supreme. Uh, He's not just supreme in the sense that he's better than the two opposing views that they've had presented to them. He's he's supreme because he's better than everything and anything. He's the creator God in the flesh who lived and died and rose again. And so he's he's the top dog at all times. Um, In chapters three and four, what Paul's going to do now is he's going to talk to us about what it looks like to live, or at least he's going to talk to the Colossians about what, it's like, what it looks like for them to live in light of the reality of who Jesus is uh, in the midst of the circumstances that they're experiencing. And he's going to invite them to live in a new way that is governed by the character and values of Jesus and his kingdom. So today's passage is part two of one that Brett started last week. Uh, and in that section, you'll remember Paul starts this conversation about this new way of living by telling us that we're to, to take off or to throw off uh, an old set of uh, character qualities or ways of living that, that used to characterize us. And Brett did this great uh, physical example of, if you guys remember, he had like 12 layers of shirts and he just kept taking them off and off and off. Uh, it was pretty awesome. Uh, I would have liked to have seen him get them on in the first place. That would have been the challenge. <clears throat> so today, uh, the passage we're going to look at is, is the other half of that conversation. It's if we've already been talking about there's some character qualities that we need to take off or to put out of our lives. Today we're going to look at some that we're supposed to put on or develop, cultivate in our lives. <clears throat> so uh, we, we've already heard it, but I want to read through the passage again this morning and then look real quick at what did that mean for the Colossian church and hopefully what does that mean for us today. Uh, so if you have a Bible, we're in Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, Since, as members of one body, you were called to peace, and be thankful. 
Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right, so Paul begins by describing this new community that God has created in Jesus uh, using three words or phrases. He says uh, that they are God's chosen people, they're holy, and they're dearly loved. And if we had a lot of time this morning, I would love to unpack what each of those means. But the important part that you guys need to know is that all three of those terms were terms that were used to describe the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. And the nation of Israel is often referred to as the people of God. And so I think what Paul's getting at here is that in this new community that he's created based on those who are chosen to follow Jesus, they are now, the church, the new people of God in this period of time. And because of that reality, Paul says, we're supposed to live and relate to one another in a new way. So Paul is going to go on now. He's going to give us four commands about what living in this new way looks like as the people of God. And then he's got sort of one summary statement that's going to wrap it all up. And so we'll take a look first uh, at the, the four commands. The first command that we get is that we're to clothe ourselves with a set of character qualities. And the language here obviously refers back to the first part of the passage, which we saw last week, which is last week we were taking off, this week we were clothing or putting on certain things. Uh, last week we had five or two lists of five qualities, and this week there's one list also of five qualities. And so I want to look at those uh, briefly, and then we'll talk about what it looks like to develop those in a little bit. So the first quality that we're asked to put on or clothe ourselves in is compassion. Uh, more literally, the word here means a heart of compassion. And usually compassion in the Bible uh, refers to the idea of sympathy for another person that leads to action. Uh, biblical compassion isn't, it doesn't stop at just feeling bad for somebody in their situation or even understanding what somebody else is going through. Biblical compassion almost always leads to action, entering into a person's situation and providing help. All right, so that's compassion. The next quality is kindness, and it pretty much means what you think it means. It's kindness. Uh, in the Bible, it often carries the idea of treating somebody in a gentle manner as opposed to a harsh manner, which, side note, is a good word for all those parents in the room. Um, and again, kindness is more of an action word. It's not, kindness isn't really a feeling that you have towards people. It's the way that you treat someone. So again, action is involved. Next on the list is humility. Now, uh, for us in this room, humility is a very common concept or word. We, it's super familiar to us. But it was not the case in the ancient world. Uh, to see oneself as lower than another person or less important than another person, which is what humility means, was looked upon as a weakness in the ancient world that Paul and his readers lived in. As evidence of this, and I thought this was fascinating when I was studying this week, uh, the word humility does not occur in the Old Testament at all. And it only occurs in secular Greek writings a handful of times from that period. And every time that it does show up, it's seen as an insult or a derogatory statement. So humility was not something that was valued in the ancient world. Uh, John Dixon, the author of the book Humilitas, which is the Latin word for humility, 
He makes the argument that humility only became valued as a character quality in the Western world because of the life and the teachings of Jesus. And I think he makes a really good case for that. You can trace it all back to the one that we're called to follow. Our world today is not entirely different than the world that Paul and his readers find themselves in. Uh, Often we're told that we're to look out for number one or that if we want to get to the top, which is a value in our culture, that we might have to step on a few people on the way up the ladder. Uh, that's, those are the messages we hear. But Jesus calls us to live in a different way. It's a way of service and loving and putting others first. And that, he says, is what is great, makes greatness in his kingdom. All right, so that's humility. Uh, fourth on the list is gentleness. Uh, the Greek word here is often translated as meek or meekness. Uh, It's the idea of considering others and being willing to give up our own individual rights for a moment uh, on behalf of another person for their benefit. So in some ways, it's kind of a combination of kindness and humility together. Last on the list is patience. And if you ever read an older English translation of the Bible, uh, often the word you'll see translated here, they'll they'll call it long-suffering, which I think is a really cool way to think about patience. Uh, the idea here is that we're willing to put up with the behavior of others without getting angry quickly or retaliating or resorting to fits of rage. Um, Paul's going to go on in the next couple of phrases here to, it's kind of a side note, he sort of continues to describe patience. Uh, He says that patience involves bearing with one another. So again, it's putting up with each other in a good way and forgiving one another. Those are both aspects of being patient. Paul's wise, so he knows that if you ever take more than two people and put them in the same room at the same time, eventually somebody's going to rub somebody the wrong way, right? This is just human nature, right? So thank you, Jerry. I got a, got a hearty amen there. Um, and that's right. That's, that's our experience, right? It doesn't, doesn't take a whole crowd of people to, before somebody gets upset. It usually only takes a couple. Um, there's only four people in my home, and you'd be amazed at the number of arguments that break out. So uh, I think you guys know what I'm talking about. So, so Paul says here that because that's the case, we need to learn how to forbear with one another. We need to learn how to forgive uh, and, and put up with each other, which is a different way of living. And in case Paul's readers were reluctant to embrace the idea of forgiving, he sort of plays the dad card here. And he says, now remember... If you're not sure you want to forgive, remember you've been forgiven by God through Jesus. And so because of that, you might want to think about being forgiving people. Um, And he's right. We have been forgiven. And so we should see forgiveness as something that's very natural or at least something that we're willing to embrace as followers of Jesus. All right. So that's the list of of qualities that Paul puts together together. in his list here, again, it's in contrast to the set of qualities that he listed in the earlier part. But at the end of this, he says, on top of all this, I need you to put on one other quality in your life, and that quality is love. He says that love is the one that binds all the other virtues together. It's something that we're to put on above all the others. And it's true that in some ways, each of the qualities that we've just talked about are aspects of love or maybe different expressions uh, of love. 
The word that Paul uses for love here uh, in the Greek, which is the original language of the New Testament, is a word called agape. Maybe you've heard of this before. It's a uniquely Christian word. It's not found in other ancient secular Greek writings. Uh, And it often is used to refer to the love of God shown to the world by giving his son Jesus through his life, death, and resurrection. It has to do with, uh, not, again, not just loving, having loving feelings towards one another, like all the other words we've talked about, but it involves action. Uh, it's acting in the best interests of other people. That's what agape is. And so, so this is the new way of living that Paul is inviting the Colossian church to. Um, he says it involves relating to one another not the way the world does, but with other-centered agape love, that includes the character qualities that we just looked at. All right, so that was a lot of verbiage, but that was just the first command. The other three will go way faster, I promise. Uh, The second one that Paul gives his readers is that they're to let the peace of Christ rule in their hearts. And the idea here is that since God has made peace with those who've chosen to follow Jesus, that they are to live in a way that extends peace to others. Uh, his point here is that the people of God have a new foundation for living and relating to one another. They don't have to relate to each other out of a place of fear or uncertainty. They can relate to one another knowing that they have peace with God, and because of that, they're safe with him in any situation. And because they're safe with him, they're free to live out the character qualities and treat people the way we just have described to us earlier. So, that's, uh, that's peace for the individual. Paul actually goes on to say that letting peace reign in your hearts is not just an individual thing, but it also should be a corporate thing. Uh, peace is something that should, should always characterize the community of God, the people of God. Uh, it's something that's worth working towards and maintaining. And in at least three of his other letters, uh, Paul urges different churches to work hard to maintain the peace that God has won for them through Jesus. So, no little thing, but that's the peace of God ruling in our hearts. The third command is shortened to the point. uh, Paul says, and be thankful. In the immediate context of what he's talking about, I think he wants us to be thankful for the peace that God has secured for us through Jesus' death and resurrection. But the fact is that throughout the Bible, uh, being thankful or having an attitude of gratitude, if you will, uh, is something that's supposed to characterize people who follow Jesus in all areas of life and in all situations. Uh, Thankfulness or gratitude is incredibly helpful when it comes to uh, having healthy relationships with one another and in a community. And the reason is that because when we're content with what we have or the circumstances that God has put us in, then it makes it impossible for things like greed and competition to find their way into our motivations as we relate to one another. And clearly, those, thing, those are things that can tend to harm or hurt relationships. And so a thankful attitude or an attitude of gratitude uh, is something that can really help us live from a place of being okay and being okay with others. It's interesting, the, the verb here, be, uh, which makes sense in English, might be better translated become or actually be becoming, which is a mouthful. Um, the idea here is that uh, 
a heart of thankfulness is not something that just shows up in our lives instantly. It's something we have to work to cultivate and practice. Uh, like a lot of things, sometimes we need to practice these things when we don't need them so that when we do need them, they actually show up in our lives. And so Paul's urging them to continue to be in the process of cultivating thankful hearts. All right, the last command that he gives is that he wants them to let the message of Christ dwell richly among them. And likely what Paul's referring to here is the gospel message, the message, the good news that Jesus' death and resurrection provides a new way for us to relate to God, it provides access to him, and it gives us the opportunity to have peace with other people. Letting the good news dwell richly among you means that it should live, if you will, in our thinking at all times to the point that it governs our thoughts, our decisions, uh, and even controls those things, both on a personal, individual level and corporately as we relate together as a group of Jesus followers. Uh, specifically, Paul says it should shape our thinking and practice when we teach and admonish one another, and it should shape how we worship. I'd love to have more time to dig into that, but we have to keep going here. So to wrap up the section, uh, Paul gives a short summary statement or general principle. He says that whatever we do, whether it's in word or deed, we should do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the idea here is that everything a follower of Jesus does or says should be done with the awareness that he is Jesus's representative in the world. If we want the world to think well of Jesus, it would probably make sense that we would relate to one another in such a way that people would see Jesus as somebody worth following. And that can sound like a lot of pressure, and I don't think Jesus intends it that way. I think he invites us into this process of growing in such a way that we become people who relate well to one another and are good representatives of him in the world. All right, so that's a picture of Christian community that Paul paints here. It's a community that reflects the character of Jesus and the values of his kingdom, not those of the world. It's a community that joyfully has Jesus and the message about him at the center of all that they do. Uh, And it's a community that represents him well, both to one another in their personal relationships and to the surrounding world. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear that description of community, that sounds really incredible. I want to be a part of a community like that. So the question is, how do we move towards being more like that in our own community? I think New Cove, in my experience, does a really good job of this. But like anything, there's always room for us to grow and get better, right? So, so how do we become more like this community of Jesus that lives in the new way according to the principles of Jesus and not the principles of the world? I think... <clears throat> Uh, the, the character qualities that we look at play a key. And this is where uh, the idea of spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines will come in. And we'll talk about those in just a moment. Um, all these character qualities that we've looked at are things, like I've mentioned, they don't just show up in our lives overnight. They're things that we have to work at and develop. Um, and I'll give you a couple examples of these characteristics in my own life. So, uh, before I was married and before I had kids, if you talk to somebody who knew me, they would probably describe me as being a really patient person. And I always thought, wow, that sounds great. Thanks. Uh, and that's probably still true to a degree. But for some reason, God has chosen the wonderful adventure of parenting to show me exactly how not patient I can be at times. So uh, 
this is something I'm still working on. I don't think I'm not patient, but I'm certainly not as patient as I would like to be. Another area that God's growing me in uh, has to do with something we talked about earlier. We talked about uh, learning to relate to others from a place of feeling safe with God because of the peace that we have with him. And uh, this, like I said, is something I'm still growing in. So last Sunday, uh, after Brett delivered this wonderful sermon about how to begin to put anger out of your life, uh, I found myself a couple hours later in a very heated, angry argument with one of my children. And during the course of that conversation, my daughter, completely unknowingly, said a couple things that happened to poke some really deep areas of insecurity in my life, and I responded in a very defensive manner. Now, thankfully, uh, the Lord made me aware of that pretty quickly, and we were able to apologize to one another and forgive each other, and the relationship was stored, restored. Uh, but man, this is still something that I have a long way to go in, in terms of growing in. Thankfully, even in that moment, I feel like there was a sense of hope because even just a handful of years ago, uh, if that had happened, it would have taken me hours or maybe days to understand what had actually happened internally. And it would have taken that long for me to be able to articulate that to someone else and go and ask for forgiveness and restore the relationship. When it happened last week, it was almost instantaneous that God's Spirit convicted me of what was going on, and, and it was like the words are coming out of my mouth, and I'm like, oh, can I just have those back, please, because I, I don't want to say anything worse than what's already been said, uh, and it wasn't terrible, uh, but, but instantly, God made me aware of what was going on, and it only, it only took a couple hours for me to sort through things and go back to my daughter and apologize, and she was totally gracious, and she said that she had things to apologize for as well. Uh, But restoring relationship comes much quicker now than it did in the past, which I think is progress for me. And my hope is that someday I'll get to the point where I just don't get defensive at all when it happens. I'll just let it go and trust God with what happens in the the meantime. So uh, hopefully a couple examples from my life give you hope that there's potential for you to grow in these areas in your own life as well. Uh, So this is where spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines come in. If you're not familiar with the concept of spiritual disciplines, uh, they're activities that we engage in with God's help that allow us to cultivate the character of Jesus in our own lives. So what I want to do real quick is give you a couple examples uh, using some of the character qualities we looked at earlier of what might be spiritual practices that would help you cultivate those in your own life. Uh, When it comes to the idea of compassion, listening or maybe active listening, is a great skill to develop. Uh, In another New Testament letter by James, we're told that we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And unfortunately, that's the exact opposite of what naturally tends to happen in our conversations with other people. Uh, Often we're way more interested in what we have to say than what the other person has to say. But if we can practice listening instead of speaking, it's going to greatly increase our, oppor- our potential that we will understand what the other person is saying, the situation they're going through. And those things are the type of things that will lead us to maybe some sort of action that would allow us to enter into their situation and have compassion and help them out. So if you think you struggle with being compassionate towards one another, I recommend try to practice listening a little bit more this week. Uh, Humility is another one that we talked about, and this is a tough one because 
uh, <laughs> humility, uh, growing in humility actually requires a small amount of humility to acknowledge that we're not all that humble to start with. Um, but once we get over that hump, uh, it's, it's super helpful. Uh, secrecy is a great practice that we can use in our lives to develop humility. Uh, the practice of secrecy is when we intentionally find ways to serve other people without them knowing about it. And this goes against our internal nature. Uh, most of us, when we do something for somebody else, we'd like for them to know that it was us that did it because that makes us feel good and we like that feeling. Uh, but in secrecy, we give up that uh, desire to be recognized by other people. And instead, we trust that what Jesus taught is true, that our Heavenly Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward us. Uh, so secrecy is a great way of practicing humility. And then there's patience. Uh, this is one of those things, like I mentioned earlier, that you kind of have to practice when you don't need it, so that when you do need it, you have it. Um, activities like getting on the longest line at the grocery store, or driving in the slow lane intentionally, or I hope I don't push too many buttons here, watching your favorite Netflix series one episode per day instead of all at once. <clears throat> I know, don't throw things. Um, it's not that you always have to do this, but, but if you intentionally choose to do things like this, they're the kinds of things that with God's help can train us to be more patient. So when we find ourselves in a situation where we require patience, we might actually have a little bit of it to spare. All right, well, those are just a few examples. Um, if you want to learn more about the whole idea of spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices, there's a wonderful book uh, by a man named John Ortberg called The Life You've Always Wanted. Uh, if I had to have 10 Desert Island books, that book would be one of them. I think I've read it three times all the way through in parts more than that. It's a fantastic uh, book on the subject. It's easy to read. It's super practical. I, I don't know there's anything better out there on the market. So the life you've always wanted. If you're interested, please go check it out. Learning to relate to one another according to the values of Jesus and his kingdom, not those of the world, will have powerful effects both in our personal lives and relationships and in our corporate life as a community of Jesus followers. Next week and in some of the weeks following, uh, we're going to have this idea of living with one another in a new way that we talked about generally today applied to a number of different specific arenas of life. Uh, and so my hope is that you guys will be back here to hear about what that's like. But let me pray for us, and then I'll turn it back to the worship team. Father, I'm so grateful that you were not satisfied uh, to have people continue to live in ways that are, are hurtful to one another, uh, that don't build healthy relationships, but you wanted us to live in a new way, in the way of Jesus. And Father, I pray for each of us here this morning that uh, if there are ways in our own lives that are hindering relationships with one another, uh, or even the kind of thing that maybe caused disunity in our family or in our church family, God, would you be kind enough to gently show those to us? And as you do, Lord, would you also uh, give us wisdom to know how to begin growing in those areas so that we can live out the qualities that 
Paul talked about this morning so that our relationships can be healthier and more satisfying. And God, that our community could be a safer uh, place for us to grow and love you. God, I would, I would love it if you would do that. And I pray that each of us would uh, be willing to listen to you as you speak to us. Thank you that you've provided so much for us already, that you provided the good news of Jesus, that we're safe with you because of him. And I pray that it's in that safe context that you would help us to grow. And we pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen.